Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast, where we explore the challenging topics that young adults often face. Each week, we talk with guests who help answer questions of faith, life, and culture, connecting them to our daily experiences and God's Word. For more info on In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. Hey, welcome to In Doubt. My name is Isaac, I'm one of the hosts at In Doubt, and I'm also pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Mission, BC. This is sort of a kind of continue on from a previous uh, conversation that we had uh, with two guests. So with me is Kara Baldwin. She is a radio personality, CHRI radio station in Ottawa. Uh, but also with us is is Daniel, and you guys all know Daniel. He's another host of In Doubt. He works at Westside Church in Vancouver, is associate minister. Uh, but we're we're happy to be on again to talk about these important issues going on. So yeah, welcome guys. Thanks for having me back. Thank you, Isaac. I'm looking forward to uh, getting back into this conversation. We were getting really fired up last time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So as we have this discussion here, this is a roundtable conversation with different views in terms of just various things that are going on in our world today. So. One of the things that we want to hit on is just the reality of the world that we live in right now. And it's the one thing kind of that bridges every continent, country, people together right now. And that is the reality of this uh, COVID-19, of this pandemic. There might be some different views and that's okay. So anyways, let's just jump in here. Um, church, ecclesia, it's like literally assembly, gathering. And all of us agree that, you know, Christianity is not a solo reality. It's, it's just not. It can't be done. To be a Christian, you are part of the church. You are part of a body. We don't just see, you know, fingers like walking on the sidewalk or like an appendix like bouncing around. Like you see full bodies because that's what we are. We're full bodies and that's what the churches are um, as well. So it's like, yeah, you know, maybe trying to squeeze everyone in a tiny little building is just like with the reality of COVID. Yeah, that wouldn't make sense. But that does not mean that uh, we don't, you know, can still gather safely in each other's homes and things like that. And and that just, that makes sense to me, like that we would do that. So, yeah. <laughs> if listeners ever wonder or question their role in the body of Christ, just picture an appendix bouncing along the sidewalk. Yes, it won't work. <laughs> like, you need to be in a body. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> it just, I feel like we need the church more than ever right now because our world is so, I had a young adult talk to me yesterday. He said, you know, I think as I was talking about, you know, starting this young adults ministry at Westside and, and he was saying to me, like, do you know what I think our city needs? He says, I think we're so tired from all of the, the COVID stuff and all the political stuff going on in our world right now. He's like, we just need time of rest. And I thought, I'm like, it's true. Like we, we need the church more than ever to help facilitate what it means to look like to abide in Christ. And so just quick story, like my wife and I just moved into downtown Vancouver, we live on Seymour Street, which is a street over from Granville. And because of COVID, right now, there's a, just a ton of uh, homeless people in our neighborhood. And we were walking onto the street and strewn out everywhere because they've been evicted from this park where they were living, right? So now they're all on, on Granville Street. So we're walking past homeless people who are, their stuff strewn out everywhere. And, and you see that brokenness. And then you see everyone's wearing masks. And then on top of that right now with all the forest fires, it's smoky everywhere. And so we're walking around and it was like, we're living in the land of death. 
Like it felt like this, like, is this the end times, right? Is this the end? Like, because it was just crazy the amount of brokenness we saw. And I, I was sharing this because it was a dark, it was a dark moment for Lisa and I, like we've both spiritually felt like that was a hard thing to walk through and see that level of brokenness on a societal level, but on a creation level too. And I was talking to one of the staff members who's been at Westside for a long time. And he said, you know, it's interesting. He drives past East Hastings Street, which in Vancouver is lots of homeless people. And he said, it's so difficult because um, he's like, you see that brokenness. But he said, they exemplify an outward brokenness, right? That so many people in Vancouver experience inwardly. And he's like, that's an outward depiction of it. But he said, inward that you have these people, CEOs doing very well, living in these glass towers on the top floor who inside their lives are just as broken. And the verse that Elise and I have thought through and, and kind of made our, our verse going forward is Jeremiah 29, seven, which comes moments before the famous Jeremiah 29, 11, which says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And it's just a reminder to me that in this time, whatever city we're in, whatever town or that we live in, that as the church, we ought to be seeking the prosperity of that place because there's such brokenness going on. And as we do that, as we try and, and, and strive for renewal in these places, we will prosper through that. Through, through the work that God's doing there already. Yeah, no, that's so good. And I think too, like as you bring that up, Daniel, it just makes me think that as, as the church, I think sometimes churches can, it can be easy to sway to one side or other in terms of whether what, whatever city they're in or a rural place in Canada, wherever they're at, where God has placed them as a church, there maybe can be a temptation to lean on one side where they're just doing, you know, caring for physical needs. Or there's other churches that say, no, it's not about physical, it's all about spiritual, it's only care about spiritual needs. But I think there's a fine balance that we need to to take there. So in the in the seeking of, you know, as I hear you say that, in the seeking of, you know, helping the city prosper, it's, I think the church needs to go forward in, in thinking carefully about how they can, you know, be benevolent in terms of the physical aspects of the, of the city, uh, but never without the spiritual side as well. And just doing that together. And I think the the unity of those two things going forward can make a huge, a huge impact on the, like you're right, the death that we see outward and inward death that we see. So, yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's move on here. So we, we've kind of touched on that and let's, let's just move on to the, uh, uh, the, the other reality that's kind of going on in North America right now in terms of uh, this sort of the different social issues, the problems that we are seeing that's, seemed like it's just erupted and i'm not sure i think it was at the instigation of the murder of george floyd i think that's what the one that kind of instigated it might and then it's been years in the process obviously but that was really the 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 spark that kind of lit the fires of what we're seeing right now literally <laughs> um in many ways and it's all it's kind of based on race and things like that so let's just let's just jump into this as, as christians we believe wholeheartedly in the dignity and the value and the meaning of every person and you know, I don't, I don't know, Daniel, maybe you can just share with us a little bit about like, you know, what the Bible says about the fact that we're made in, in God's image. I don't know if you want to just share the, the, the value and the meaning that every person has. Yeah, well, I mean, that comes, this idea of human dignity and human value is 
uh, directly one of the first things that we read in the Bible. And one of the things that the Christian church has brought to the world is this belief that no matter your, your race, no matter your ethnicity, no matter your financial status in the world, every human being has the same value. And this is actually written into constitutions, I think, in the United States that, uh, what do they say? We believe that all men are created equal. Whether or not they have lived out to that, that that's written into their constitution. And what you're, th- this comes from Genesis chapter one, where we're, we see that humans are made in the image of God, that we are image bearers. And based on being an image bearer, we now have inherent God-given value. So we can, uh, we can attribute value to each one of our friends, to each person that we see walking on the street and try and figure out where we are on the social status in our social locations. But uh, in God's eyes, every human being is on the same level playing field of having inherent human dignity, which is challenging because as I walk up Granville Street and I walk past some of these homeless people who it seems like they're tripping out on drugs and it's easy to bypass them and, and think, well, they're less than human, right? And th- th- I think there might be a lot of people who think that. But the Christian scriptures, if you call yourself a Christian, we before God need to and are called to and don't have a choice in the matter of realizing that this person that I've seen is also in God's eyes as equally valuable and loved and cared for as I am. So that's when we talk about human value, human dignity, that's what we're, we're talking about there is there are um, a level playing field, which is one of the most amazing pieces of Christianity and such an important cultural piece to be really explaining and, and almost boasting in in our current time saying, no, as Christians, we do believe that all humans are equally valued. However, how we go about that, I think, is where a lot of these issues has come about. Because what I'm seeing right now is you can, again, you can have opinions or thoughts about Black Lives Matter. My, my thought is I think their heart is in the right place. People's hearts behind supporting and, and being a part of social change, I think, is in the right place. Where they want to see human value. Hey, everyone's equally valued. And I think that's right. What I think a lot of discussions, though, is how we're going about it is difficult. And how we go about it, I think there's a lot of disagreement there because we're not in agreement on and not unified on how this ought to be done practically. And and are we showing it as a church? And I know that's something that, um, that you know, these types of things, like you're saying, Daniel, if it's rooted in our identity then really it should be demonstrated in the church first. But I can say even our church, we try for diversity. And But if you walked into our building, you would see mostly white people. And, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do to try to just to, to, to draw in other cultures and other races to let them know, like, you are welcome here. We are not a white church is by actually putting some of our visible minorities on the platform you know, in, in terms of leading worship or whatever, and, and hope that when people step in, they're looking at our leadership, they're looking at what's visible and they're seeing, okay, there is some diversity here. But but yeah, it's got to start in the church and it, that's a harder thing to do than it is to say, you know? Yeah. One thing that I struggle with with all this too um, is that, you know, we live in obviously a, a, a social media age and, and um, media saturated age where we 
uh, know what's going on globally in a matter of seconds, right? Whereas, you know, 200 years ago, that just would not be the case. We wouldn't know about a bombing in Beirut. Like we just wouldn't know until, you know, it's said in the papers, maybe a couple weeks past or whatever. So it's just, it's it's totally different. We live in a completely different age. And the, the hard part for me is that, I don't know. I mean, when I was thinking about this, the, the danger of global exposure, because we, we are exposed to everything going on globally. And then it kind of makes me feel like I have to have an opinion on everything and also be an expert on it. So I need to know who it was that detonated the bomb in Lebanon. I need to know what all Black Lives Matter is about and what they are doing. And I need to know all of this, but the reality is I can't. Like you care, I'm a father of, well, almost two kids coming up pretty soon here and pastoring a church. Like I just can't know. But because of our global media exposure, I kind of have this sense where I need to, and people people live online sometimes more than they live, especially with COVID, they live online more than they're living outside their door, which means they kind of have this expectation on themselves and others to have opinions. And it's kind of, it's kind of hard for me to like, I don't know if you guys have faced that as well. Well, Isaac, it's an interesting thing too, because if you say, hey, listen, I, uh, I, I'm not fully read on this, but I have some thoughts you probably will get shut down and say, well, don't talk then. Yeah. Like you, you shouldn't like, we live in such an interesting time where it's, it's not an open conversation. It's a agree with me or shut up. And if you haven't, if you're not agreeing with me, then uh, don't, don't talk. Right. So you either shut up. If you're not well read on this, uh, then, then it's time for you to listen. Now they the same response too that I see on Twitter is if, if you're well read, but you have a different opinion, you're told to shut up or you're told, no, you're not listening. Listen, right? Like it's this weird, you're, you're, you're not allowed to have an opinion anymore. And I don't know, care. Have you, have you run into some of that with your work in radio? Like, it, is this just something that I see on Twitter or is this what you're experiencing, uh, in, in society in, in Ontario even? I mean, obviously when you're in radio, especially Christian radio, it's like, you have to be so careful what you say. And I, I mean, I think it's safe to say that the majority of our listeners are, you know, Judeo-Christian, slightly right of center. You know, I think those are like our, our, we call them our P1s, our like, you know, closest listeners are probably that. However, we also know that we have gay listeners, we have Muslim listeners who, you know, either are listening in secret or they just like that the music is positive and they don't, you know, they think about their God when they're hearing about God. Like, it's just, there's such a diverse view that like, it is hard to sometimes have an opinion. Now, I generally don't shy away from having opinion if it has to do with faith. Like I, I do speak about faith very clearly on the station, but I know even listening to um, other Christian radio people across Canada and the U.S., uh, there's, you know, there's a network of us and a lot of times they say, oh no, it's good radio when you have an opinion. It's good radio when you pick a side. And then, you know, you, you, I present that to our management and they're like, mm, can you be careful with you know, picking a side because, you know, you're going to have someone disagree. And so I think you can't be afraid to have someone disagree. You do need to have an opinion. You know, like Daniel said, like, I think we can't just not have opinions. And I think there's going to be my husband and I always kind of talk about how there's probably going to be a generation, maybe by the time my kid is, you know, a teenager where they're going to just boycott social media. There's going to be no social media. They're going to be like, my entire life was put on Facebook. You know, I can't believe anything I find on the Internet. People hide behind their social feeds to to have a, an opinion and to start stuff. 
And I think there's going to be this like complete turnaround in the next generation. They're just going to want to stay away from everything. Totally. And they'll see it. Well, everything's so fake. Like every, all these people I see online are not like they are in person. Yeah. No. And I, I care. I agree with that because I think the, what we should as Christians is we should be able to go in with an opinion, but say, look, I might be wrong. I think that's an okay way to go into something and say, look, I might be wrong. I currently hold this position, but like, convince me, you know, like, cause I'll, I'll let the better position win out. And I think that's a, that's a healthy thing. What's happening now though, is what we've changed. D.A. Carson, who's a theologian, has wrote a book called, and it's a great title called the intolerance of tolerance. And he basically, his whole premise is the, our world has redefined what tolerance means. And, and basically he says like before tolerance meant that hey, guess what? You have, care. you have a different opinion than me. I don't agree with you, but I respect you as a person. So we, we can disagree, but I will still uphold your human value, human dignity, and we can talk through this. So, so you, you don't accept the position, but you accept the person. Now tolerance has been changed to you must accept every position. And if you don't, then I will not accept you. And so it's completely self-refuting because that position isn't accepting of any other positions. So now it's like, oh, you are intolerant because you don't hold my position. I will no longer tolerate you as a person, which is completely backwards. Um, And it's just, it's not doing anyone any favors. Or you must not tolerate me because you don't tolerate my position. Like I remember, because I'm so involved in the local theater community and I remember when I was younger, as a pretty new Christian, I knew a gay man who came up to me and just said, you, you are like, it was like, we have been friends for a while, or at least I thought so. And then one day he just said, well, it's because you don't like me because I'm gay. And I'm like, whoa, like, first of all, (laughs) can we back up a second? Because I thought, thought we were friends, but you know that it, it hurt me because I thought all of a sudden now someone is putting me into this, this box that I apparently don't tolerate them as a person because I'm maybe not super gung-ho about their way of living or whatever. I mean, obviously I've grown a lot in my, you know, education and understanding and all that stuff now. But at the time as a new Christian, I thought you can't just assume that that's even my position on things. You don't know anything about me and my faith and my beliefs. And yeah, so I really felt like it kind of went that way too. People just kind of assume if you don't tolerate something, then you don't tolerate them. But like you said, Daniel, I think the approach is, you know, can we all be better at sharing our opinion, but saying, this is just my opinion. I may not be right. But I think the problem is, is people don't go into it with, with that attitude. They go into it believing that it's their way. And they, they, it's, you, you can't have a conversation with them except for yelling because people just always assume that they're yeah. right. And let's, let's call it what it is. It's bullying. You don't agree with me. I'll shout you down, bully you into my position. And the, the crazy thing about it is the bullies are rewarded in this time in our culture. Like if you bully someone to caving in on their position, you are now rewarded. And and so like we grew up with tons of anti-bullying stuff as millennials, right? And now it's literally millennials bullying one another into conceding opinions that you are allowed to hold. So forgive me if I get really passionate about this, but it's just a really (laughs) unique piece. And I feel, I feel the weight of that. And I just wish that, People would value one another, but still be like, I think your opinion's so wrong, yet you are a human being and we can be friends. 
like that is how it ought to be. I was going to say, I just was listening to a podcast and um, the guest was Lee Hartley Carter and her book was called Persuasion, Convincing Others When Facts Don't Seem to Matter. Now, I, I didn't, I've not read the book, but based on the conversation, I thought it was really fascinating. She was talking about how when you have different, uh, different people in the room that have completely different opinions and how, you know, when you, when you're at that point where, you know, there's two very conflicting thoughts and opinions on, on one topic, the facts don't matter. But what ends up happening is we end up shouting the facts of our side to the other side. And realistically, if we just kind of stripped it back and thought about the heart of the issue, you know, what what you care about, what's behind your side of it, your opinion, your position on it, you know, and what you care, and then on the other side and what their position is and what the, the what's behind that, then usually you can come to a compromise and an agreement because fundamentally, we're not really that different. We, we, we want the same things. You know, we want kids to get an education. We want local businesses to thrive, you know, kind of thing. But when you start yelling out the facts, you can't change anybody's opinion because facts can't be adjusted, can't be changed. Facts are facts, but it's not about the facts, it's about the issue. But we get so caught up on what we know, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And something, you know, when I think about this, I can't help but think that, you know, uh, and I'm, I'm I'm saying this totally hypothetically because I don't think it's going to work out this way. But, you know, let's say you get to the heaven's gates and I don't think God's going to be like, so where did you stand on Black Lives Matter? Like, I don't think that's the way it's going to be. He's going to he's going to say, like, did you trust my son Jesus? And did you do everything you could to, like, be a disciple and make disciples? Like, I think that's kind of what it's going to be about. It's not going to be like, what was your opinions on this and this and this and this and this? I just don't think so. I, I, I think, and I, Daniel, this is kind of like what you're saying, too. Like, we have to be able to hold opinions, but also with absolute love for the person. We need to hold that absolutely. But even our opinions on things that maybe are not necessarily opinions that have drastic implications for someone's soul and eternity. We have to hold that just loosely. <laughs> um, you know, like I hold my opinion on what ice cream flavor is best loosely because you know what? Maybe one day I'll like something else. But anyways, I just think we have to hold those loosely. And I think that will be a really loud statement in the midst of our millennial culture for millennials to to have this profound love uh, for the other person and then holding our opinions kind of loosely on things and being willing to to change and then focusing like my biggest thing is like focusing on what really matters and that is the eternal destiny of souls like that's so so essential and we have to be ready and willing to be mocked for that like I just think about Paul in in Athens you know he's learning about the culture and it's it's pretty like basic he's not like spending like weeks and weeks and weeks reading he's just like he's walking around he's looking at it he starts to engage with these people and at the end some people mocked him it's like we have to be ready for that uh, we have to be ready to be called drunkards just like Jesus was um, and yet some still followed so when it comes to our pursuit in the midst of all this craziness we have to be okay to be you know, misrepresented. It's just the reality of being a Christian Yeah, in so many ways. I think if we're on the other side of it too, like, you know, we're the ones that are maybe being misunderstood, then I think that's when we need to show more grace. We're going back to the grace thing, but by basically by saying, you know what, actually, you know, this is where I'm coming from and this is why I feel that you're just not understanding me. So do you mind if I explain my point of view? Because you know, some people may not think about asking questions because they don't understand that you're offended or they don't know that you're, you know, go, you're, you've gone through something differently or whatever. So I think there's two, there's, you know, there's a receiving side of it and then there's the 
the giving side of it. Yeah, yeah. And I think about Peter too, and everyone accused him and his disciples for being drunk at Pentecost. He just, a simple statement, we are not drunk. And then he goes on to explain uh, the reality of what happened, right? So, you know, and I, I just think that's cool, the balance there as well. The balance was not like, I'm going to spend all this time like defending my point of view, all this kind of stuff. It was just like, no, this is not the case, but here is the case said, said well. Any last thoughts, guys? We're kind of approaching our end time here, but any last thoughts, anything that maybe popped in your head about our previous kind of conversation about this pandemic and church ministry, anything about uh, the social issues going on? Is there any last, um, I'm, I'm thankful, Daniel, that you brought some practical uh, thing there. If maybe there's something, anything else practical that we can that we can just kind of leave listeners and ourselves with as we finish up. Maybe we could just say, uh, let's continue to read God's word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as the basis yeah. for everything, because... Um, as we do, I mean, all the law and the prophets are summed up in the reality to love one another, and that is huge. And um, and we need to keep in a, a, like that strong relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know, the spiritual disciplines are so so key. Uh, with the two most important, I would say, is being listening to God in His Word and speaking to God. He gave us His ear for a reason, and we can go to Him with these things. So that would be my two cents of <laughs> practical. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um highlight what Kara said about just grace, like having grace for one another, having grace for ourselves, knowing that in this time, the lots of different tensions going on, we might not react or act in the way that is in the line of Christ. Like we might get frustrated, lose our temper or whatever. So having the humility to say, I'm sorry about that. And having grace when people do that to you, like, because you never know what they've gone through that day. You don't know what they're going through, what anxiety they have in their life. And so a real practical way is remembering that we have been forgiven so much by Christ on the cross. How could we not also forgive others? So I'm going to highlight forgiveness. And, uh, you know, a quick plug. We had another episode on forgiveness with Aaron Ford recently. So there you go. Go and listen to that one. (laughs) That's awesome. And I'll circle back to, I mean, Isaac, you at some point uh, were talking about you know, when we reach heaven's gates, is are we going to be asked if we support Black Lives Matter or whatever? But I think, you know, you're saying the question really that we're going to be asked is, did you trust my son Jesus? And I think going back to the whole, if I die, I die, or the fear versus foolishness, I think ultimately, let's just trust Jesus. So that's, that's what I'm going to circle back to as a takeaway for me is just trust Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, that wraps up um, this kind of second part of our of our conversation. Kara, it was great to have you with us all the way from Ottawa. So yeah, just thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Really appreciated the time. Yeah. And Daniel as well. Uh, like we said last time, it's just so good to be able to to chat and to, uh, to discuss these important matters together. Isaac, it's always a pleasure. Hey, thanks for joining us today. And a special thanks to Care Baldwin for joining Daniel and I on the show. Care, as mentioned earlier, is a radio personality for CHRI, which is a Christian radio station in Ottawa. You can listen to their station and check out their other resources by going to chri.ca. And remember, if you want to know more about In Doubt or any of our podcasts or other resources, just go to indoubt.ca. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.
Hi, Ben Lowell, CEO of Back to the Bible Canada's In Doubt. You know, every week our aim is to engage young people in a conversation around matters of life and faith and culture. Most recently, our hosts Daniel and Isaac have met with Christian pastors and leaders to discuss biblical insights on sex, a conversation about the importance of human rights, and the growing dark impression pornography is making on individual lives and our society at large. These are conversations critical for young Christian adults to be involved in. For current programs or to listen in on past programs, head to indoubt.ca in Canada and indoubt.com in the U.S. And for expanded programs, sign up for the Indoubt podcast.